Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to Confessions of a New Grad. This podcast is an ongoing story, so I'd recommend listening to the previous episodes before starting this one. Chapter 3. Welcome to the real world. A little while later, as we walked up the steep hill to Gemma's house, she asked, Are you hungry? No, I said, absently, staring out into the inky blackness behind her family's house. I knew we were up on a very high hill and that a breathtaking view of Lion's Bay lay below us, but in the darkness, there was nothing but blackness. Gemma considered me for a moment. Okay, well, I'm gonna go eat my dinner now. Just let me know if you change your mind and want to join me. You haven't eaten yet? I asked, feeling guilty for calling her so late. Nah, I'm starving. Do you want to hang out in the kitchen with me or just go lie in my bed for a bit? The bed, please. She nodded understandingly. There's pajamas in my closet and feel free to borrow anything else you need. Thanks, I said, realizing that apart from my phone and the clothes I was wearing, everything I owned was still at Tyler's. Gemma's dog, a fluffy labradoodle named Mr. Darcy, bounded toward the front door happily as we entered the house. Get down, Darcy! Gemma's father called, apologetically, from the sitting room, where he, Gemma's mother, and younger brother were watching a movie. It's okay, I said, smiling in spite of myself as Mr. Darcy licked my face. Do you need anything, Brooklyn? Gemma's mother asked, pausing their movie and getting up to say hello. No, I said, thanks for letting me stay here. Of course, her father said, shaking his head. Gemma's brother got up solemnly and gave me a very long, tight hug. I'm so sorry this is happening to you, he said. Given that I had never seen Gemma's brother look serious, this was somewhat alarming. Brooklyn's gonna go upstairs and sleep, Gemma said, a little forcefully to the rest of her family. I waved at them and made my way upstairs. Gemma's bedroom was cozy. The walls were lined with canvases painted in her signature style, which was realistic and yet calming in a way that I can only really describe as yoga by brush stroke. I dropped my coat on the chair by her bed and then buried myself under her covers. My body hurt. I wanted to sleep, but I couldn't. Every time I closed my eyes, my mind heard echoes of the fight Tyler and I had just been in, 
or frantically tried to find solutions for my situation, which was almost worse. I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was no closer to having a plan for my life than I had been after my 12th grade graduation. Unfortunately, this time, I didn't have a few years and a university degree ahead of me to help me figure it out. What was I going to do? Be a writer, a small voice answered, but that thought brought me less comfort than if I had been completely lost. Because how was I supposed to make any money doing that? I had stories, pages and pages full of half-written novels and pitches, but maybe those stories only seemed grand and interesting in the safety of those notebooks and in my own mind. I had no way of knowing because I had never shared my writing with anyone. It had always been mine. My friends had asked, but... Upon seeing how reluctant I was to share with them, they had all, eventually, given up. The closest that I had ever come to sharing anything had been maybe six months ago. Tell me, Tyler had begged, exasperatedly, as we lay in bed together. I just, I can't. Why? I don't know. We carried on like that for at least an hour. It must have been irritating for him, but I couldn't help it. I didn't want to share with him, and I didn't know why. Don't you trust me? He demanded. I do. I just don't want to tell you about my writing. Well, how do you expect to be a writer if you never tell anyone about it? It was a fair question. I knew... This was a snag in my plan. I had tentatively decided that if I ever got published, I'd be fine with people reading what I'd written. Once I had the validation of a publisher, I'd have the confidence to put myself out there. Just tell me, he said. I'm sorry, I said. So you don't trust me? It's not that. Then show me one of your stories. Okay. How about I tell you one of my book ideas to start off with? He rolled his eyes. Fine. And so I told him about a fantasy novel that had been percolating in the corners of my imagination since my final year of high school. I'm not going to give a synopsis of it here because, well, I'm kind of insecure about it. Maybe the idea is stupid. Still. It took place in a world that I went to often, one that was important to me. It was my Neverland, and maybe it was never to see the light of day, but it did hurt when Tyler's eyes glazed over after less than two minutes of me talking, and he picked up his phone to scroll through Instagram. Are you done? I guess so. That's the basic idea. He shrugged. I don't really get it. I felt like he had punched me. Oh, okay. Um, what don't you get about it? Maybe I can... I trailed off, not sure what I was trying to say. It's just not really my thing, he shrugged. 
Then he rolled over and fell asleep. He didn't ask about my writing with any real conviction again after that, and I would never share another word I'd written with him. Maybe I had expected too much. Maybe this was part of being a writer. Maybe I needed to toughen up and learn how to take rejection and criticism. Maybe my story sucked, and I was craving praise because, deep down, I knew it was crap. I don't know. I just remember thinking that if I couldn't even get my own boyfriend to care about my stories, there was probably no hope of my ever becoming a writer. That was why I felt so hopeless now, because as much as I thought I had no chance of making a cent off writing, I hadn't found anything else that I wanted to do. I had tried to find a more stable passion in my four and then extended to five years in university, but nothing stuck. All that any of the broad range of topics that I studied seemed to do was fuel my imagination for stories that I would write in the wee hours of the morning when I should have been studying or writing essays for my actual classes. I pulled out my phone, needing something to distract me from reality. Bree and Lana had both texted me asking about plans for the weekend, but I wasn't ready to respond to them yet, and I knew they would understand this when I eventually told them why. Instead, I robotically opened Instagram. The overload of information did serve the purpose of numbing my own thoughts, but I don't know why I thought it would make me feel better. It was hard not to feel like a loser in the face of my friends' posts about their extravagant vacations and new career prospects when I couldn't afford rent right now, let alone a vacation, and had no job or source of income. I didn't see the months, if not years, of work that went into earning those vacations, and no one seemed to feel the need to post the fact that the crazy successful company they had just started working at was taking them on as an unpaid intern. No one was forthcoming about the fact that they went home from their crazy nights of excess to their parents' basements because student loans or housing prices or their overconsumption of avocado toast meant that they couldn't afford their own place right now, or maybe ever. I swirled through the Instagram time suck until a slight rustling made me drop my phone into Gemma's bed covers. I saw her door sliding slowly open, and her mother came quietly in, carrying a tray of food. Gemma's mother looked a lot like Gemma, with the same head of curly brown hair and a deep, understanding smile. Gemma told me that you said you weren't hungry, she said, but you need to eat when you're emotional. She laid a bowl of fruit and yogurt on the bedside table. I really wasn't hungry, but appreciated the gesture. I thanked her. She told me to let her know if I needed anything and left. I began munching on the food, not because I wanted any, 
but because I couldn't think of anything else to do. After an indeterminable amount of time, the door opened again, and Gemma entered. Ugh, sorry. I told my mum you said you weren't hungry. You know, I confessed, after taking another small bite. Eating may have been a good idea. I thought that this massive pain I was feeling in my stomach was heartache, but I think I was just hungry. She laughed. Didn't you eat dinner? No, I said slowly. I forgot to. Why? she asked. I didn't pick you up until almost nine o'clock. Dinner led to the fight, I explained. Ah, she said. She waited to see if I was going to tell her anything else, but I didn't. So she continued. Well, I'm glad you ate. You'll need fuel for tomorrow. Tomorrow? I asked, blankly. We're working the federal election polls, remember? Oh, right, I breathed. Maybe you can get out of it? I have no idea how to do that for a job like this, and anyway, I kind of need the money. $25 an hour doesn't come around every day. But, she began, isn't Tyler supposed to be working at your poll with you? I nodded. She grimaced. I'm a, what do you call it, I asked. Deputy returning officer, Gemma supplied. Right, and Tyler is a poll clerk, so... Those are the two people who sit at a booth together, right? Gemma asked, even though we both knew the answer from the training we'd attended together a few days ago. Yep, I said. Her big blue eyes got even bigger. Hopefully there'll be other people there and uh, you can work with a different poll clerk, she said. Hopefully, I said, but I wasn't hopeful. Tyler and I had requested to work together. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ugh, I wish you were working at the Lion's Bay Pole with me instead. Me too. Getting to West Van for 6 a.m. tomorrow is going to be brutal. Do the buses even run at that time? No. I guess I could get up early and drop you. No, Jem, you've done enough. I'll take a cab. That's gonna be so expensive, she said sympathetically. 
Yeah, we really need to get Uber in Vancouver, but it's okay, I can take the bus home. How are you going to pay for it, though? What do you mean? Did you manage to get your wallet from Tyler's? Ugh, I groaned. Nope. I figured, Gemma said, reaching into her purse and pulling out her wallet. It was empty. Oh, who am I kidding? I have no money, she sighed, leaving the room. Wait, Jem, what are you? Just a second, she called. She returned a few moments later with 520s. There you go. That should cover the cab fare and anything else you need for the next few days. Is this? Did you? Did you just ask your parents for this? Gemma nodded. No, Jem, they're already letting me stay here. This is beyond humiliating. Will you calm down, she said. I just asked them to give me some cash because I'm a millennial and pay for everything on my visa. You're not borrowing from them. You're borrowing from me and I expect you to pay me back. But stop arguing, Brooklyn. What are you going to do? Run away from the taxi tomorrow morning and refuse to pay him? I doubt getting arrested is likely to improve your situation. But I... It's fine, she said. This way, you won't be at the mercy of having to see Tyler for at least a few days if you're not ready to. Thanks, Jem, I said, trying not to look as helpless as I felt. She took my hand and squeezed it. All right, well, we better get to sleep then. You'll need to wake up in like five hours. True, I said, standing up. Have you decided who to vote for yet? Oh, I don't know, she sighed, pulling the covers up around her. The more I research it, the more my head spins. I feel like they're all just full of shit. She nodded. At least Justin's hotness is getting Canada some long-deserved recognition, though. That's what really matters, I joked, standing up and grabbing my phone. Good night, she yawned. Good night, I said, crossing the hallway toward the spare bedroom. And thanks again, Jem, for everything. I stepped inside the spare room, shut the door, and just kind of stood there. After a long time, I sat down on the bed. Then, after even longer, I made my way to the bathroom to brush my teeth and take off my makeup. They were such easy tasks. I had done them so many times before, and yet I had to force myself to maintain focus and not stare for minutes at the small droplets on the sink or the slight stubble that was beginning to grow on my legs. When I finally made it out of the bathroom, I arranged my limbs into a lying down position on the spare bed and closed my eyes. Gemma's house was so quiet. The rain had stopped, but I could hear the intermittent pitter-patter of water falling gently off the trees and onto the ground outside. The sound of water normally calmed me down, but tonight it was maddening. I couldn't drown it out. My phone lay tantalizingly on the bedside table. 
maybe if I picked it up, I could forget about whatever it was that I was feeling. Hours later, I awoke. Or, I don't know, is it waking if you never really drifted off into proper sleep? To the rudeness of my alarm buzzing through the bleak fall morning darkness. I hastily shut it off, hoping that Gemma's parents, who slept next to the spare room, hadn't heard it. It was insanely early, and they didn't need to be up for another couple of hours. I tiptoed across the chilly floor and showered as quietly as I could. Through the bathroom window, I could just make out the trees in the forest behind Gemma's house. It was too dark to be sure, but judging from the dampness of the air, I strongly suspected that it was raining. The taxi that I had booked the night before was due to arrive in about 20 minutes, so I quickly dried my hair with a towel, put on enough basic makeup to look presentable for the job, and tiptoed downstairs. The sky was still black. My phone rang, and I heard the automated message that told me my taxi was outside. I hurried out the front door and across the stone steps of Gemma's steep driveway using the flashlight on my phone to light my way. Yep, it was raining. Not heavily, it never really did rain heavily in Vancouver, but enough to decorate the top of my head with tiny pearls of moisture. Getting down the hill to the main road in the dark when the ground was damp and slippery with gooey leaves was a little bit treacherous. A figure loomed in the darkness. Resisting the urge to scream, I squinted and just made out the yellow cab behind him. Brooklyn? The figure asked, gazing blindly into the light of my phone. Yeah, that's me, I said, grabbing a tree to help support me down the last part of the hill and making my way towards the cab. I'm going to Park Royal Mall in West Vancouver, please, I told him. Pretty early to be going shopping, he said, putting on his seatbelt and restarting the engine. I'm working the federal election today, I told him. Oh, I see. Well, how come you didn't work at a station a little bit closer to home? Good question, I thought. I was not looking forward to a 12-hour day in close quarters with my ex is it called an ex if you haven't officially broken up yet? I ran through a hypothetical scenario in my mind, wherein Tyler told me he was sorry and begged to have me back. Would I go back? I shook my head automatically. I wasn't going back. As scary and uncertain as things were right now, they were already better than they had been before. It was still pitch dark when I arrived outside the far entrance of Park Royal. The mall wasn't due to open for a few hours, but I had been told that the door to Indigo Books would be unlocked so that the election workers could set up before the polls opened at 7. I backtracked towards the Starbucks, knowing that I was going to require 
copious amounts of caffeine to make up for the fact that I hadn't slept last night, but to my dismay, it was closed. I looked sadly over the Lionsgate Bridge to the twinkling downtown core. I bet the cafes on that side of the bridge were open. Following the Elections Canada signs, I made my way toward the large empty room where we would be setting up the polls. There were about five people already there, and more trickled in as the noisy clock in the far corner of the room ticked down the minutes until 6 a.m. The fluorescent mall lights were harsh after the pitch blackness of outside. They unflatteringly illuminated all of our sleepy faces. I wondered who was running this thing and how I was going to ask them if I could not work with Tyler in a way that didn't come across as unprofessional. Just as I had resigned myself to the fact that there really was no way of asking that question without looking like a drama queen, Tyler entered the room. He looked like shit. The white lights cast long, dark shadows down his sallow face. His puffy eyes were scanning the room apprehensively. I knew he was wondering whether I'd show up or not. As his gaze lasered in on me, I looked down and did the classic millennial look at your phone to avoid having to deal with the real world move. As I did so, I realized that I had a text from Apollo from yesterday, or perhaps the day before. I really couldn't tell. Time was behaving so strangely right now that I hadn't responded to. I probably shouldn't reply, right? That would be distasteful, considering that Tyler was here and currently glaring right at me. But I wanted to. Okay, everyone. A harassed-looking, youngish guy in a suit called as he entered the room. Let's get set up. He scrutinized a list on his clipboard and started calling out the names of pairs of people who would be working together. I held my breath. Brooklyn Winters, you're a deputy returning officer. And your poll clerk will be... Please don't say Tyler. Please don't say Tyler. Tyler Cox. Of course. Avoiding Tyler's eyes, I made my way to voting station number four. Hey, I heard Tyler say as we reached the booth. Hey, I muttered, still not looking at him. The man in the suit explained how the day was expected to go and gave everyone instructions on how to set up their booths and ballot boxes. Once he was finished, the hall broke into chatter. Everyone was making small talk and introducing themselves to each other. Everyone except Tyler and I. We were the only people in this room full of strangers who seemed to know each other. and. We were also the only ones who had absolutely nothing to say. It was going to be a very long day. Is it for avoiding them, might solve them, but they ain't going away. Can anybody heal this pain? 
Thanks for listening to Confessions of a New Grad. If you want to find out what happens next, go ahead and click on the following episode. One through seven are out now. Confessions of a New Grad is written, narrated, and produced by me, Greta Craig. Our story editor is Rebecca Montgomery, and she created all of the amazing artwork for the project as well. You can follow the show on Instagram at newgradpodcast. Special thanks to all the amazing musicians who allowed us to use their songs in this production. You can find the soundtrack in our show notes. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.